Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. My name is Pastor Jeremy, and today I am preaching two words. Be kind. These are God's words to us today. We find them in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. God gives clear instruction to be kind to one another, but we must never hear the commands of Scripture in isolation. God is never saying to you, do this or that, and leaving you alone to learn and will yourself to accomplish it on your own. He empowers you to accomplish what he commands you to do. This sermon is part of a series on the fruit of the Spirit. We've already covered love, joy, peace, and patience. This week we're on kindness, and the next four weeks we'll cover generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are characteristics that the Holy Spirit grows in the lives of his people. Our ability to obey the commands of Ephesians 4, be kind, is based on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God is doing this work in you, but this does not take away your responsibility to make every effort to be kind nor the need to repent when you fail. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we can run into this tension. We call these characteristics fruit of the Spirit, meaning that they, the Holy Spirit grows them in us, yet He commands us to do them and holds us responsible for our obedience. So who is responsible for my holiness? Me or God? It makes no sense for God to command us to do something if He's the one who does it. Both are true. Here's a biblical truth for you. Ready? You don't have to know how everything works. Trust what God says to you. Embrace and marvel at the mystery. God's ways are bigger than our ability to understand. It is God's work in us that brings about salvation and holiness. It is completely His work. He gets all the credit. 100% grace. A gift. I can't state that strongly enough. At the same time, you can reject it. Your effort is necessary. God does not override you. He enlivens you. He teaches you. But you accept and obey. I will promise you this. He is always faithful to his part of the equation. He equips and empowers and enlivens our efforts. Without his work, we are dead and incapable. Think about it like this. If you go down with a medical issue and you're not getting enough oxygen, you are going to die. EMS gets there and they load you up and they put an oxygen mask on you. The source of your life is in that mask. It is supplying everything. Without it, you will die. But you have a choice. You could pull it off and refuse their work. Or you breathe it in. So I call you to breathe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He lived and died and rose again for you. Breathe it in. He is working in you to make you holy because he is holy. To make you kind. Breathe it in. When Paul tells you to be kind, breathe it in and let him do his work. 
Earlier in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul lays all this out well. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you walked, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are in disobedience. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, doing the will of flesh and senses. And we, by nature, are children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. This is important for two reasons. One, all praise and gratitude for our salvation and our holiness is due to God. Second, to promote the growth of the Spirit, it is important that we seek the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. Be kind. It sounds so simple when you say it like that. We all know that we should be kind. However, it feels like people do much more bitterness, wrath, and anger than kindness. The Scriptures use a lot of words that overlap and carry very similar meanings. We are told to be kind, to love, to be gentle, do good, forgive, encourage, serve others, be merciful, compassionate, and show grace to others. I think sometimes we feel like God's way is so complicated because there's so many different things we're supposed to do. However, that is not true at all. All these words communicate components of one idea. They all overlap to build a complete understanding of love. We really just have one command, the great one, to love. Love God, love others. All these other words are part of love. It's no random chance that love is the first fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians chapter 5. Now, Rick Warren rightly calls kindness love in action. Action is an act that you do for the good of another. It's an act of kindness. Do not complicate things. Love one another. Be kind. Do good. Be gracious, merciful, and compassionate. Use whatever words you want to. To be kind, manage your resources. To allow space to be kind. Be a good steward of the resources God's given you. Use your time wisely and get what needs to be done, done. Do not waste time on frivolous things like playing little games on your phone. That's one I've had to promise myself not to do. Manage your time wisely to ensure that you have free time to be able to give yourself completely to caring for people when the opportunity does arise. I think the two most prevalent places this applies is your time and your money. Manage both to ensure that you are free to be kind. Now, the gospel of Jesus is the greatest example or picture we have of kindness. Jesus came to rescue us despite our rejection of him, our disobedience, 
He lived a sinless life to give you, to give to us as our righteousness. He he died to pay the penalty that we deserved for our sins that we committed against him. He rose again so that if we receive him as our Lord, he will save us and give us a new life of kindness. The parable of the Good Samaritan is another excellent picture of kindness that Jesus gives to us. Jesus tells this story in response to a question. When told to love his neighbor as himself, a man asked, Well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answers, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near to him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man that fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. After hours of lying on the side of the road, bleeding and injured to the point of death, someone finally comes across him. It's a priest. He hugs the far side of the road and passes by. Another man comes. See, who passes by on the other side of the road? He is a Levite, a, a helper in the temple. These two men should have been most likely to help, but they both passed by on the other side of the road. Something that is missed in the story is that Jesus is content, condemning the elevation of any rule over love and kindness. Because the point of all the rules is to teach us how to love. So if we understand a command of God in a way that leads us to be unloving, we misunderstand the rule. This robbed and beaten man may be dead. He may be a tax collector, a leper, or even a Samaritan for all they know. All the religious rules that the man Jesus is talking to would have followed said these things were unclean and should not be touched. So they passed on the other side of the road. Jesus sets this situation up to illustrate that the man of the law probably would have also passed around the injured man. But then a third man approaches, and he is a Samaritan. The man asking the question is a Jew. The Jews and Samaritans despised each other based on race. However, it is the Samaritan who stops to help. He's the good guy in the parable. The very person that the listeners would have said, no way that the Samaritan is going to stop and help this man. No way. However, it is the Samaritan that is kind, that bandages the wounds and cares for him, that puts him up in an end and pays it all out of his own pocket. So at the end of the parable, in verse 36, Jesus asks, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Breathe that in. Take in the way of Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do his work in you and be kind. Go and be like the Samaritan who was kind to the very person who considered him an enemy. Jesus takes the person that you least want to help and says to you, 
Be kind. Do we pass by on the other side of the road? Do we pass by on the other side of the road when we see the single mother struggling, when we see the elderly lacking basic needs, when kids are starving for someone to care to see them, when so many people are just lonely? How many times do you know someone who is lost and separated from Jesus and just pass by on the other side of the road? Kindness is about seeing people and valuing them. When we acknowledge their humanity, kindness becomes real. One of the biggest problems we have as people is the ability to strip and ignore the humanity of people. We turn them into just a number, an object, a caricature, and talk about them as though they're something different from us. They're not like us. One of the primary messages of the Bible is that God created every single human in his image. He planned them and loved them, and he has an eternal future for them. And that's not my decision to make. Do not dehumanize people. They're not just the homeless, not just liberals or conservatives or illegals or communists or druggies or thugs or, or elderly or rednecks or whatever term you want to use. It is easier for us to ignore people, to be harsh with them, to use them once we've stripped them of their humanity. Treat them as you want to be treated because they are you. They feel like you. They're loved by God like you. They have an eternal future like you. They're made in the image of God just like you. So love your neighbor as yourself. To be kind means that we do not turn our head, ignore, or walk by on the other side of the street. Listening to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. As a Christian, he is in you, and he is leading you. When he brings someone to your mind, reach out to them. When you notice someone in the store, at church, or Wherever, know that it is for a reason. Keep your eyes open for how you can be kind. When wronged or disrespected or inconvenienced, forgive. Pray each morning and as much as possible throughout the day that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to opportunities to be kind. Breathe in the truth of God's Word. Breathe in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. and Listen to His voice. Breathe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and be kind. Thank you so much for listening to Stanford Christian Church today. Once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy. We will be having the gathering tonight at 5.30. Also next Sunday, August the 28th from 5 to 7, we'll be having a community cookout, and that is going to be hosted by Stanford's uh, Christian, Methodist, and Presbyterian churches. That's going to be held right on Main Street between the Christian and Presbyterian churches on Main Street. So come, come. 